Welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast, your monthly source for conversations and curated content to improve your law practice with your host, Rocky Deer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the State Bar of Texas podcast. We are recording live from our State Bar annual meeting in Austin, Texas. This is your host, Rocky Deer. And joining me now, we got two amazing guests. We've got Justice Deborah Lehrman and Timothy Berg. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, this is a thrill. So before we before we start talking, you guys were you guys were both delivering the the address at the bench bar breakfast talking about the Uniform Law Commission. But before we get into that, we want to, of course, learn a little bit more about each of you. So, Justice Lerman, let's start with you. Tell us, obviously, you're a justice. I, I gave away the answer. But let's let's tell everybody what you do and a little bit more about, about your journey to My becoming journey? a justice. Yes. Well, I was a trial judge in Tarrant County for 30-something years or 20-something years before the governor appointed me to the Supreme Court of Texas. Nice. And I've had this wonderful privilege of serving on that court for almost 14 years. I'm the longest-serving woman in the history of the court. Wow. And I'm the senior justice now in that court. So it's just a real privilege to be able to serve in that capacity and to serve the people of this great state. Wonderful. Well, thank you. And and Tim Berg, tell us about tell us about about you. I know you're you're coming from out of out of state to join us. Yes, I, I'm in private practice in Phoenix, Arizona. I've been with the same law firm for 47 years. I clerked for a federal judge for one year and then started at Fenimore, and I've been there ever since. My practice is predominantly civil appeals, public utility regulation, public records, public law, um, and it's a pleasure to be here in Texas. Wow, you're a nerd. You're so smart. What is it? I mean, good lord! Oh my god. So, so, so we were talking, or rather, you guys were talking about the Uniform Law Commission, and I'm I'm not the brightest bulb in the chandelier. I thought you guys were trying to get us to all wear the same clothing all the time, and I was like, uniforms. What are we doing? But no, no. Tell us a little bit about what the ULC is and where we might be seeing its handiwork as Texas lawyers. Many of you have heard of the Uniform Commercial Code. I'm sure you Absolutely. have. Uh, yes. We had to study for it for the yes. bar. Yes. <laughs> and so the uh, Uniform That's Law That's PTSD, Commission. Justice. I mean, I why know, would you I'm bring sorry. that up? I'm I mean, sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. Forgive me. Wow. <laughs> but we are the entity that drafts the Uniform Law, I mean, the Uniform Commercial Code, sure. and that revises it because it's always subject to improvement based right. upon changes in our society. We do that in conjunction with the American Law Institute, and we've done that since its inception in what year was it, Tim? Commercial Code, 1942. Since 1942. Wow. Okay. So, so effectively, then, the ULC drafts these, these uniform laws. And then what's the process from there? You, you, then pro, you then propose them to the various states to see if they want to pass Yeah, essentially once a uniform law is, an, is enacted and adopted by a vote of the states at the end of an annual meeting, it is the obligation of the commissioner, individual commissioners or individual state delegations to take the law back to their state and take it to the legislature and get it introduced. We don't have to do that with everything. Sometimes you have a law that's appropriate for some states and not others. Um, for example, we just finished a project on a law that deals with community property issues in non-community property states. So okay. if you're in Arizona, which sure. has community property, you wouldn't enact that statute. You don't need it. But if you're in Wisconsin that doesn't have community property, you would. So, so the obligation by the folks on the commission is to take it and introduce it into their states. 
obviously it's then up to those legislatures whether they want to well, adopt it. Absolutely. Right? We're a service organization. It, the legislature obviously decides in each state whether they're going to enact uniform law. In fact, they decide whether to enact it in uniform law or to make some changes that are more consistent with their local practice or culture. Um, that happens from time to time also. So th- the purpose of the talk this morning that y'all had on the ULC, it, it almost sounded like you were trying to recruit people to come in and maybe join the ULC or was it more of more of an awareness campaign? I mean, what was, what, what were you hoping to accomplish from this talk? Really to educate and okay. to let people know that it's out there. Can't just join the ULC. Well, thank, thank goodness. Cause I was underqualified. <laughs> I'm listening to you guys talking. I was like, I, I needed a thesaurus for pretty much everything you said. <laughs> They're gubernatorial appointments here in Texas. And I, I think love the word states. gubernatorial, by the way. That's a funny word, and we need to use it more often. <laughs> I agree. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people just don't know what it is. Right. And so you can use it both in your own private practice, for example, if you have a case and you have a situation where you don't have a Texas statute or you don't have a Texas case on it. You could go to another state that may have a similar law, similar uniform act, and then you could cite that, you know? It's not going to be binding on us, but but it would be very persuasive coming from another state that has adopted the same uniform act. Also in a practice area, Tim always talks about his coffee shop example. Yeah, one of the examples we use when we talk talk to the legislatures is we're the reason that if you have a coffee shop in Austin, you can open a coffee shop in Albuquerque or Phoenix or mm. Salt Lake City or anywhere in the country, and you don't have to hire a lawyer to redo all the forms. You don't have to, because the sales law in the states, in all 53 of our jurisdictions, um, is the Uniform Commercial Code, Article 2, sure. sales. Okay. And so that it makes it so much easier to do business across states and so much less expensive to do business across states because the Uniform Commercial Code exists and the law is the same from state to state to state. How often does it happen that you propose a uniform law that you've drafted, but then the legislature goes in and tinkers with it, makes changes, and then it's no longer really uniform, it's kind of uniform? I well, mean, obviously the preference is to have it enacted uniformly. Sure. I mean, that... But we recognize that states differ. I mean, even if you pull up one of our uniform acts, you'll see what are called bracketed terms. And what that is, we'll put in, for example, Secretary of State in brackets in a statute because some states have Secretary of State, some states don't. They have to put their own name in. Or sometimes we'll put a period of time in there and we'll bracket it because your state statute of limitations may be different than Arizona's statute of limitations. You want to make it match your other existing law. So we recognize that there's always going to be some adaptation for local practice, culture, legal culture. Um, but to keep it as uniform as possible is obviously best because that's the goal is to have uniform law from state to state. And another thing that I really wanted to get across is when you have observed how legislation is made, at least in Texas, and I think probably sure. in most legislatures, uh, you know, there's just when they say you don't want to know how the sausage is made, it's really true. Right. And that is not what happens at the Uniform Law Commission. It is not partisan. You do not have special interests who are really just trying to 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 get their way, you know. Right. You do have people at the table with differing views. We mm-hmm. want that because we want to make sure that all the issues have been totally vetted uh, and then we come out with a policy decision that you may or may not agree with. But it's not done in the way that it is done or at least what I've observed on a state level. But that br- that brings up kind of an interesting issue because you're talking about the partisanship that seems to pervade everything now. And the question becomes, 
when you're proposing a uniform law, to what extent does partisanship start to start to invade when you're taking it to the legislatures? You know, where they say, well, that's not how we do it here. And this sounds like it could violate this right or something. You know, to what extent does that start creeping in? It certainly can. But an awful lot of what we do is are things that really aren't partisan. We have, for example, an Electronic Legal Materials Act, which is an act that lets you uh, put legal materials. On, well, that's not a partisan issue. We have electronic recording oh, of real property. Act. Issue. Well, <laughs> you can make anything a partisan issue, as, as we sometimes find out to our, our surprise. But a lot of what we do is good business or good family law or good um, good commercial law, and it really isn't partisan. Occasionally, you'll have an act um, where you it's either partisan or you have different interest groups. An example would be if we go to change the sales law, we make sure we have both business and consumers in the room because you want to hear from both sides of the transaction to make sure the law works for both of them. Occasionally, we'll have something that is partisan, but mostly it it really is more technical, um, good business, good government stuff that we're doing. Procedural, like for example, we just now have enacted a statute uh, that allow, is allowing the court to develop a rule on uniform deposition and discovery. Okay. We will be joining 48 other states who have this. So it's really, think about how helpful that will be yeah, sure. for us to have right, that right, here right. in Texas. And it's not partisan at all. Well, I guess it, it was interesting because one thing that's that's struck me during the discussion that you had was that you're you're combining a lot of different a lot of different elements, including state common law, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how to make that uniform. But as anybody who's ever practiced across state lines knows, common law can differ on a on a given subject. You know, I mean, I'll just say the word Louisiana, right? I mean, it just it is different everywhere. Now, how do you take something like common law precepts and make it palatable to legislatures across state lines? Because now you're really asking them to change their laws or change their kind of deviate from their common law in order to strike this this uniformity. Well, and certainly that's something you're doing sometimes. What you're trying to do is convince the legislature that the better practice is something other than what their common law is. You know, common sure. law sometimes develops in ways that turn out to be counterproductive or difficult. You'll even have judges write opinions. I can say this because I'm not a judge, which say, <laughs> here's what we think the law is, but we invite the legislature to do something to fix sure. it because we, we think it's not making sense. Yeah, and, and so really what we're doing is no different than that. We're helping the legislature fix issues sometimes that courts have identified that need to be addressed. Right. And one thing I think, I wish I would have mentioned this in there, but, you know, as society goes on, I mean, the legislature is really, there's not much common law left, quite frankly. I mean, the legislature is taking over in every area, including telling us what to do as the third branch of government. And so that becomes increasingly important, I think, that the process for developing those statutes, which is in large measure replacing the common law, that it's done in a way that's really intellectually honest. This was important in the 1890s when the National Conference was started, but I mean, it's even more important today with the amount of mobility you have, with what technology has done to change things. Um, It's even more important that uniform laws be out there, that things that are state law are reserved to the state still, but that it's consistent from state to state to state. Because, you know, if you, my grandfather's generation, people didn't move very much. They were born in Wisconsin, they stayed in Wisconsin their whole life, and they died in Wisconsin. Most people don't do that in this day and age. And so uniform laws facilitate- Most people do not die in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. I agree with, I'll stipulate. Okay. 
Thank you. <laughs> but, but you know, we have a lot more mobile society than we used to. And sure. having this, particularly in family law area, it's very important to have this kind of uniformity so that if, if a custodial parent moves to another state, you know what the law is. You, you so have your arrangement. I guess a final substantive question, you know, before we, before we let you all back into the wild of the, of the state bar annual meeting. To what extent do you think there's, there's a concern that as we find more and more areas of uniformity, that we start to maybe erode, erode the concepts of federalism, you know, where, you know, because there's always been this concern that we want to leave certain matters to the states, but as the states start adopting more uniform laws, it makes it convenient and it might make things easier, but then does that take away, to some extent, the unique ways in which the law is promulgated and applied in the different states based on their concerns? One of the things we do when we consider whether to do a project is, does this need, does this law need to be uniform in this area? A lot of times we turn down projects because we say it really doesn't matter if Connecticut has a different law than Arizona in this area. We are actually in some ways a state's rights organization because what we do is provide a way to get uniform law, but keep the state still in charge of their law. If we didn't do what we did, you'd have the federal government taking over areas of law and enacting uniform national statutes instead of uniform state statutes, and that's not not good. I have a question. Uh, You, Tim, excuse me. (laughs) I'm just going to leave. I don't think I'm needed anymore. It sounds like I'm just kind of a third wheel. (laughs) What do you think the percentages of acts that are presented to scope that are rejected? Oh, we turn down more projects than we do. I would would guess we, we probably, just to pick a ballpark number, 25% of the projects that get presented go to study, and probably 50 to 60% of things that get studied go to drafting. Yeah. Okay, so there's, so a, there's it, a significant it, it, number. It's, yeah, it's a funnel. Oh, it isn't yeah. just a pipe. It's yeah. very difficult, actually, to get through the process so that a uniform act will, in fact, be, or a drafting committee will be developed. So first somebody pitches it, and then... And then that's it goes to scope to it pitch goes it to and scope. say okay. And and then there's a study committee that studies it for a year or maybe two years, and they come back to leadership with a recommendation, and then they decide whether or not it goes to drafting. This past year, there was a, a committee report to, that their recommendation was not to go forward with a project. I mean, was to go forward with the project. Leadership said no, we're not going to go forward, and then they appealed. Oh, wow. They okay. went back, and you know what? They did grant it, and that's highly unusual. Wow. Has that ever happened yeah. before? I, not that I can recall. Yeah, yeah the, the idea of a good study committee, a good study committee doesn't come back and always tell you why you ought to draft. Sometimes it comes back and says, you know, really this doesn't need to be uniform, or the, this, the interest groups are so divided we're never going to get to a law that's going to pass in states or we're going it's going to make everybody happy. So the goal of a good study committee is to come back at least 40% of the time and tell us we shouldn't do a project. And sometimes you get to the drafting stage and you actually spend a year drafting and you come to the conclusion um, there is no there there. We had a project on uh, drone law. We called it drone law, but it really dealt with was the right of somebody to use a drone on somebody else's property, delivery services and things. And we ultimately ended up not finishing that project because you had an irreconcilable conflict between the people who were traditional property law people who said, you know, when you own a piece of land, you own it all the way to the mm, heavens and all right. the way to the center of the earth. So, and the people who said, no, 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 
we have, have to have the right to use these drones to deliver things and go across people's airspace or it's not worth having. And so at some point you just say, if the interest can't be reconciled, we're just not gonna, we can't do it. There's no point in having a uniform act. Those people need to talk to married men. They That's know right. they don't own anything. There's, <laughs> I don't even own a man cave, okay? Don't even get me started on my lack of man cave. Well, guys, it looks like we have reached the end of this particular program. I wanna, I wanna thank both Tim Berg and Justice Deborah Lehrman for joining us today. You guys were rock stars. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. I thank really you for appreciate it very much. Now, if our listeners have questions they wanna get involved in the ULC or kind of learn a little bit more, where's the best place to go? Well, the first thing I would tell them is go to the ULC website because we have a lot of information there, um, including- What is that website? Uniformlaws.org. So it's okay. laws, plural, and it's a .org, not so, a .com. Or better yet, just Google Uniform Law Commission yes, and find it. Yes, pull it up. Yeah, yeah that's ask, how I do it, frankly, when I want to get it at my computer at work. That's fair enough. Okay, very well. We will take care of that. And guys, that is all the time we have for this installment of the State Bar of Texas podcast. I want to thank our- our guests, you guys, again, thank you for joining us. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm Rocky Deer. Until next time, thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Go to TexasBar.com slash podcasts. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find both the State Bar of Texas and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the State Bar of Texas, Legal Talk Network, or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.